0: building a startup's you know not easy hmm. right like it's just not e- like even with our app generator it's not easy
1: hey everyone this is devin miller here with ne- another episode of the inventive journey i am your host devin miller and uh, I'm the uh, serial entrepreneur as well as the uh, founder of uh, Miller IP Law, where we help uh, startups and small businesses with um, patents and trademarks. So um, we also like to tell the journeys of the, the, different, uh, the different journeys that people take as they're getting going on uh, startups and small businesses. And today we have a, a great uh, guest on today, which is uh, Carl Finch. He is a, uh, a a bit of a serial entrepreneur, or, or done a few different uh, startups and small businesses. Um, when I talked with him a bit before the episode, his uh, his description of, short description was failure, failure, and more failure. But now we're going to move, hopefully, towards a success and uh, learn from the failures. So um, welcome on to the podcast, Carl.
0: Thank you. Sorry, I was coughing. I caught a skittle in my pipe, my windpipe. <laughs>
1: That's all right. Sometimes Skittles will do that too, yeah. So maybe I did a quick intro uh, about you, but uh, maybe more uh, – you you'll obviously do a better intro of yourself. We'll may, so maybe uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and backing up to the beginning of your journey and kind of uh, what leads up to where you're at today.
0: Uh, beginning of my journey started at age 12 when my grandfather handed me a, a computer <coughs> because he thought I wasn't getting much work done as homeschooled. And um, I learned how to program in VB6 at that time, I believe. And then once high school came, I learned Java and then college C++ and C. And I've always been, you know, kind of like a hacker that likes to tinker with code. And I got my first contract at age 19. Got my first programming full-time job at age 22. Worked as a software engineer, level two engineer. Worked my way up, contract to contract, then fell in the role of a lead architect at Wells Fargo, and then really felt that building rich corporation software that took advantage of people that needed help was no way to make a living and felt spiritually good about yourself, so I decided to jump into the startup industry, and like you said, fail, 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 fail. But um, every time you fail, you learn a new lesson that you take on with your next startup and your next startup either fails or succeeds financially, that is.
1: Mm -hmm. But
0: every startup that you build to completion and see to production, I see as a success. Maybe not a financial success like investors would like to see them as, but I see them as a success because you're on a journey to build a product and to help service uh, a solution around a problem that you're solving to a niche market. And as long as you get it into production, to me that's successful because you worked on a very difficult problem and you saw it to its completion and that's successful in my eyes and my perspective.
1: Sure. No, and I think that that's a great intro. So maybe we can dive into that just a bit deeper. So. Did a few, or grandpa gave you a computer when you were growing up. You got into apps, you got into development, into coding, um, went out and did that. And then you went over to Wells Fargo and did that for a bit of time. I think we, we talked about it was a bit of automation for some um, mortgage loan or the loan industry and whatnot, decided yeah. that wasn't the right fit for you. And so you yeah. tried. You decided, hey, rather than keep working with a place that I'm not, it's not a good for, for me or not, you know, doesn't want is in the direction I want to go with life decided to go over to startup. So how was, and I think you said your your first startup was, was a Hippocrows or or what was it? Remind Hippocrose. me of what the name I'm wearing of it?
0: the shirt, Hippocrose.
1: Okay. So, and that one was um, doctors with medical records, if I remember, right? So helping right. people, the schedule appointments and transfer medical records and whatnot. So tell right. us maybe just diving in. So you, you made the jump from big corporation to doing your own startup. And how did that first one go for you?
0: Um first it was very exciting mm. and um we were all excited and inspired to change the industry oh, and we thought we could because the technology had just <coughs> just came about to where medical record systems that build EMR systems were just going online with their APIs. Mm-hmm. and so our concept was possible we knew um we we knew it could be built even what even if it was just with you know three or four APIs at the time and i believe we we started with um uh, wellmon or uh, i forget which API we started with but we we ended with epic system because so they, they had an API system out there it cost $15,000 a year to connect to and you know we 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 made the bet to pay that 15k and we went to hospitals and we demonstrated and we got shut down hard. We got shut down real hard. Mm. And that was the uh, biggest lesson that you you may be building something that's inspiring, that's helpful, that solves a problem but for whatever reason, the market doesn't want it.
1: And, so, and, and maybe to flavor that a little bit, if I remember when we talked before a little bit, it took about three years to build that. And right. then you guys kind of went out six months trying to talk, meet with decision makers, get the product to the market, get customers and whatnot. And kind of after that six months journey or, you know, after that, it, it, as you said, kind of got shut down harder. You just weren't getting the traction you, that you wanted. Is that, is that fair? Is that remember?
0: Oh, no, that, that's very fair. Well, we, we got shut down hard because in the medical industry, there's uh, um, red tape that you have to cut through
1: mm-hmm. and you have
0: to get the doctors at the clinics to want to use your software, which we were able to convince a couple of doctors and clinics at Duke hospital that they, they wanted to test it out. But then, after you get by that red tape, you have red tape at their at the the tech helm of that hospital and the administration office, and they all have to agree on it and If anyone in that line disagrees with it, it doesn't go through mm-hmm. so there's just a lot of red tape in in the medical industry and you know i should have had i should have had forethought uh about the red tape before getting in the industry, but I was just too too excited, too hyped on the technology and the, and the uh, promise that it could it could make for yeah. that industry, and and didn't care to do my due diligence, as it were say, uh, in and building the tech and building the startup first.
1: So and so you get to that, and I think that that that's an, one you know I think one takeaway is that you know you always you want to make sure. And, and I, I get the same way a lot of in in the sense I do engineering and I do work with a lot of technology. and Oftentimes you get very excited about the technology. Technology is awesome. It's great. It can do a lot of cool things. And yet you don't necessarily always go out and explore the market as well as you, you could or should. In the sense that you know, just great technology doesn't always mean it will make a great product or always people will sell it. And you can have the best technology. And I always you know you can go back to you know, back in the day. And if people remember prior DVDs, you had VHSs, you had Betamax, and you know, where it cassette tapes versus eight, you know, eight track. And sometimes the technology is better, but if you can't make it go over in the market, technology doesn't win the day. You have to have the good technology, but you have to check the fit. So when you get towards the end of that, you know, six months of, because I mean, three years is a, lo- a while to build. It's a lot of time and effort and blood, sweat and tears. And then you go out, you try for six months, you know, and you're just saying, hey, we're not getting the traction. We're hitting more, Red tape than we thought we would. People aren't adopting it. How did you make that decision? Okay, we're gonna after you know putting a whole lot of time and effort into it, pull the plug or decide to uh, go do something else.
0: Um, that became a question I had to solve. I had to ask myself personally, like, do I want to stay in this and you know get another thousand rejections before I get a yes ten years down the road?
1: Mm. Or do mm.
0: I, or do I just want to like jump the ship? It's all burning and I don't want to catch myself on fire <laughs> when this thing goes down. Mm. And, you know, I said at the end of the day, like, look, technology is great. At least we know what we want to build or what, you know, industry we, we want to be a part of. So let's just build something else. Let's be cool about it. And, you know, let's see where we go from there.
1: Okay. And, no. you know, oh, yeah. that's it.
0: That's when we asked that's when we went on social media and said, Hey, two, you know, two co-founders have 10 years experience building systems. Mm. You know, mm. you give us an idea, we'll we'll build the tech and we'll you know we'll come up with equity structure later. You know, throw us some ideas out there. And we didn't get one good idea. We we <laughs> we we got like, oh, how about Instagram but for cars? And I'm like, Hey, how about going on Instagram and searching for cars and see what you find. And, um, you know, we didn't get uh, any good ideas from that, but I, 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 I threw them on the, on my whiteboard in my garage and I looked at them. I said, you know, there's an app, you know, here somewhere that we can build.
1: Mm. And
0: my team member, Chris was like, you're crazy. These ideas suck. I mean, every app that you have listed up here, they've already, you know, been unicorn startups, and we're just being copycats, or we're being copycats in a very niche market that shouldn't even exist, like Ashley Madison for Tinder, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm
0: like, Yeah, very immoral, too, and unethical. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't build that, but anyways, I, um, you know, that's how we came up with Avalbot.
1: So, was before we dive in that just for a second, so diving into that just a little bit lo- or deeper, so you decided, Hey. We're get, we're going out of the last startup. It didn't it didn't quite work out. We didn't get the traction we want. So rather you know, as a way to come up with new ideas, let's see what other ideas everybody else has out there. Whether it's you know Uber for massage therapists, I think you mentioned, or right. you know Instagram for cars, which is already there. And so you kind of said, hey, what other good idea? Maybe other people have good ideas that we can work out something or help people to develop their dreams or their good ideas that they may not have time and resources, which nobody had the people you threw it out you didn't have any good ideas but you took that and you threw it up kind of on the whiteboard saying okay what's the commonality or what you know what are something that we can take all all these bad ideas or ideas that are already out there or ones that can implement and make something of it or what are the commonality? is that a fair assessment
0: that's a fair assessment that's exactly what happened
1: so you do that now you now you move on so I didn't mean to interrupt by any means you move on to now what you guys are doing today so maybe give just a little bit of how you how you took all those ideas and decided to do or start uh, what your guys are doing today
0: right so we 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 took all these ideas on a markboard and and we looked at them and we said, you know what what are all these apps have in common and what are all the apps that have already been built have in common and you know we said well, a user logs in to the system and data is presented to them and they can interact with that data if they wish. And they can add content to that community that's being created around the system. And that was the commonality we got out of all these apps is that there's data being presented to a user and that user can interact with that data and they can create, modify that data and present to the community. And and that was the number one thing we got out of all the apps, all the bad apps, all the good apps that were already out there like Uber and Mm. uh DoorDash and stuff like that. And you know, we 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 realized that, hey, maybe we could auto-generate an app. And you know, that was the that was kind of the you know light bulb moment for us. Mm. Because we're like, no, no one you, you can't auto-generate an app and we we try having people play devil's advocate for us and like I went to my mentor Ronnie who I thought would for sure play devil's advocate mm-hmm. like Ronnie talk me out of this we we can't auto-generate apps in like seconds or minutes can we he's like oh no yeah yeah you can I mean you have to build it correctly but yeah you can do it and mm-hmm. and I was like uh I thought you were gonna say no and I just move on to the next idea. <laughs> He's like, well, maybe this is uh this is this should be your next project. And you know, he he gave it to me as a bet to to build and said, you know, build it. And 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 we we built a prototype of it in two weeks. We we built just a little bash script mm-hmm. in Linux that you just typed in commands and it would generate uh C sharp at the time and ASP.net core. Uh, views uh, using razor view engine and there was a little app that you could you could run once you deployed it to a server and i'm like that was easy i did in two weeks he's like yeah but now you have to make it profitable now you have to get it ready for production and and that took uh, a year and a half
1: Mm. so if i were to unpack that just a little bit so when you say auto generate so let's let's say I had an idea for the world's best game, right? So I have candy crush 2.0 or whatever's the better, you know, game. So if, how does that work? So, you know, let's use it. Somebody that has zero, you know, zero experience with the app and building it and I just come and I can tell what I want to do and it'll magically make it. Or is it more for someone that has some experience and is wanting to then, you know, put in some of the initial information or data or file and then have it auto-generate. So who's kind of your marketer, you know, who's, who's going to be the one to, to use your uh, auto-generation of the app? As, as
0: much as I would like it to be the former, it's actually the latter. It's hmm. people who are experienced who have a MySQL database file or schema file because they don't want us to steal their data because mm-hmm. I've, I've gotten paranoid customers over that. Um, but as people who have a, a, a MySQL schema file, and they want to build an app based off that schema, and we reverse—you know—they upload it to our wizard, and they press the magic button, and three seconds they have a download file uh, to download, and all, you know all we're doing is reverse engineering that database, learning the uh, how each table was built, and what data columns are in each table, mm-hmm. and we're just reverse engineering every table and creating CRUD operations. And no JS for those tables, because at the end of the day, no matter you want to believe it or not, but every app out there is built off this same principle mm-hmm. of you're talking to a database and you have to perform these CRUD operations on these tables within that database and CRUD operations stands for create, read, update, and delete. It's an acronym.
1: Mm-hmm. So if you do that, and in, in the, so the whole idea was basically, hey, we can, a lot of apps are being made out there, a lot of developers, and you can, this is kind of almost, you know, a short circuit or, you know, a shortcut in order to save a lot of the time that they don't have to go in and do a lot of what would be the structural stuff, foundational stuff. We can help them do that. And so that they can, they can, ha- you know, have that auto generated, save times, you know, save money into, on development at the same time. But th- so how do you turn that as, because you said you know what you now you, what took the longer timer to you know the, the the time the time that you know built it in two weeks, with the mentor and as well as yourself, but looking at saying what makes it or what's going to take the longer time is to make it profitable. <clears throat> so how do you now take that as from the idea of hey let's make it so for those that are no programming or are doing some of that we can auto generate a lot of the bare bones for the app, you know the structure of it. How do you make that profitable, or how did you go about? figuring out how to make that profitable or are you still in that, in that mode? We're,
0: we're, we're kind of still in that stage, but you know, we, you know, we use the lean start methodology where, where we build the minimal viable product and then get, you know, 10 people online to test it out and give us their feedback.
1: Hmm. You know,
0: you have to start there because if you can't get 10 people to use it for free, you're not going to get one person to buy it, you know, and pay their you know hard earned cash to, to use it. But we, you know, we, we tested it with system architects that we, we, we've had relationships with for like a decade mm. and we, yeah, and we have tested it with engineers and, and investors that we've only known for a year or less. And we, we, we got, you know, multiple responses that were polar opposites of, of what we expected. Mm. We're like, mm. you know, some developers some system architects who've been friends for us for 10 years it was like no i mean they're only going to come here once scaffold the app and then build it and polish it themselves and then publish it so they're not going to want a monthly subscription and -hmm. then you got the investors and the engineers who are in like these boutique shops that focus on building apps for their customers you know Mm -hmm. each week and each month saying no you know if you do a monthly subscription and keep it on the cheap side you're going to get a lot of these people signed up and they're going to want to pay you $35 a month each month because they're going to want to come back and generate their next project with you and their next project with you. And as long as you keep that monthly subscription low, you're going to have a high MRR and ARR at the end of the year that investors are just going to eat up.
1: Mm. And so
0: we, you know, we said, well, can we make both these people happy? Because right now our, 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 um, our business model was set up to make the system architect happy, where you just go in there once, pay for it, and you're done. But you're paying a high premium because it's a one-time service fee. And then it's like, well, sure, we can just use Stripe and set up a subscription paywall and make the investors happy. And then we just have a different wizard for them. So that's, that's what we're working on now is getting that ready so we can service both people and make them both happy. Hmm. So that's, that's why you want to do at the end of the day is trying to make as many of your customers happy with as little modification to the code or your business as possible.
1: So, and that reminds me almost, one of my books I recently read, that's an interesting book is, you know, it's on the, the genesis of Netflix, right? And so Netflix is obviously a subscription base to where you pay each monthly, you know, pay a fee each month and you can either get it through streaming and they still, for those of us that like DVDs, still do DVDs, right? but you did that and they went through a little bit of the same thing because when they started out, if you remember, and this is predates me a little bit, or at least my memory, I wasn't old enough to use it, but they started out as more selling DVDs, right? So it was either a one-off kind of what you described of, hey, well, some of you come in can buy a DVD. That time you didn't really have Amazon those was in the DVD sales or other things where, and you had those, you know, one-off type of thing, which is almost what you're describing, or we go all in with the monthly subscription and try and go more of the streaming route, right? So you can almost have subscription or selling the or DVDs as a one-off, you know, and they slowly transition from what would have been a one-off to more of a subscription basis, which is where they're all now. You can't on the, go on to Netflix anymore and even go buy DVDs, so to speak. So how do you make that idea? And so I think to one degree, you're right in the sense that you've, you know, whoever has the money's green, you would try and make the customers happy. If you can suit both markets, why not? And on the other hand, sometimes it gets difficult to make a model that fits both. Right. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to give a subscription that where people like the subscription and also service the people that want to one off. So how do you, how do you find that balance?
0: Uh, I think you have to do a B testing and let the data tell you, mm. like let the data tell you what you should do. If so say my A, my A test is one-off pricing. My B test is monthly, monthly subscription. And I shoot the, shoot the software out there on the server and do A-B testing and find that out of every 100 one-off services members come and pay one time, 99 of them are not coming back ever again.
1: Mm.
0: Versus 100 go to the B test, subscribe. And out of a hundred, fifty of them are coming back. Well, then it's obvious B wins
1: hmm. because at the
0: end of the day, you know, startups with business money talks.
1: That it does. It always, it always always talks, and you always follow where the money is. So I know I think that's a good idea. Is to you know, almost look and say, okay, we got a few different ways of structuring our business. If we can if we can service both, let's set it up to service both, and then see. Where the, where the money goes or, or who's the one that's, you know, who are regular most profitable customers or how do we build a business around that and then focus in on that. So I think that's a great right. idea. So we're re- so now we are reaching the end of the podcast. And so I'm, I'm going to jump to the, my last couple of questions that I always ask each time at the end of the podcast, um, which is the first question is, so what was the worst business decision you ever made?
0: Um, Hippercrows giving a sales rep that I wanted to hire 20% equity, making my decision, not you, not doing due diligence, but by just showing, by just observing him and making a rash decision based off of him wearing a suit and a, and a, and a gold Rolex mm. and him talking good game. Because when we got into the sales meeting at Duke hospital, and met with a CTO, guess who was completely quiet.
1: <laughs> mm.
0: And uh, yeah, you, you have to do your due diligence uh, when building a startup. And anytime you're adding an important role to a team or giving a substantial equity or even responsibility to, to the project, you, you better do your due diligence or you're going to make big mistakes and you're going to have that debt carry out throughout the startup.
1: No, and I think that's, that's a good point. I think sometimes you're, you know, hiring is always one where you're eager to get someone on and you think they'll make a difference. You're, you know, overloaded, mm-hmm. lots of things to do, not enough time to do it. And so you say, Hey, this person will do a great job and either bring them on. And whether it's a salary base or equity base or whatever, each time you bring someone on, it's a, you know, especially as a startup and as a small, you know, a small group of people, They have a big impact on culture and they also, they're on, especially if you give equity or you give ownership stake. whether they do their job or not, they have that a lot of times that equity and now you have to deal with that or figure out how to proceed forward or make sure that they actually will pull their weight. And some people do a great job and they're great hires and they're absolutely worth every month or every bit of equity you give them or money you pay them and others aren't. So I think that's a good thing to do your due diligence, oftentimes slow down on the hiring a little bit. In order to make sure you're getting the right people, not just people on board. Okay, Absolutely. so so the second question I always ask is if you're to get someone that was just getting started or wanted to get started with a startup or a small business, just had an idea or just starting to develop it, what would be your one piece of advice for them?
0: Um, make sure you have patience, persistence, and perseverance to see it through.
1: Hmm. And so, and that being important because startups are going to take a lot of time, effort, sweat, a lot of ups and downs. And so you better a little bit buckle in and be ready for the ride. Otherwise you're never going to make it.
0: Right. I, I mean, building a startup's, you know, not easy,
1: hmm. right?
0: Like it's just not e- like, even with our app generator, it's not easy. Cause you have, you know, the five pillars of the start that you have to form customer, you know, customer service, uh, customer frequently asked questions, uh, Marketing, pipeline, tech, tech support—you know all that you have to build when you're building a product. And you know, even if you could get your tech built in three seconds or three days or three weeks, you still have to worry about the four other pillars of the startup. Mm-hmm. And so it, it it's no easy task. So you have you have to be willing to buckle down and get through the hard times. So you can you know of your labor when when it does start become profitable
1: no i i that's great advice and so yeah and i think that everybody goes in and a lot of times you have one or two areas of expertise or talents. And yet inevitably there are a lot of areas you have to cover. So you have to be willing to one dive in, learn it, understand it, or find the people that make sense to bring it on and then be willing to, or put in that time and effort to do the other areas that may not be quite as fun or as exciting or as as enjoyable as the thing that you really love the most. But in order to make it a a successful uh, startup, you have to be willing to dive in on all that. So I think that's great advice. Well, thank you for coming on. We're reaching the end of the podcast, and uh, it's been a fun, uh, fun discussion to talk all about your journey and what you're doing. Um, for those that want to reach out, they want to connect, or they want to get involved, either use your product or you know, be it a subscriber or want to get involved or uh, any other way, what's the best way to reach out to you?
0: Uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash n slash csfinch, or uh, Twitter, twitter.com slash csfinch, and our platform, StarterCode.io.
1: Perfect. We'll certainly make sure to put that in the show notes so people can find you, reach out to you. And if there's any connections we made, make those connections. In the meantime, good luck with your journey. For those of you that are listening that are wanting to share your journey, we always welcome anybody to apply to the show. You can go to inventivejourney.com and apply to be a guest on the podcast. And for those of you that are looking for help as you start your startup to protect and grow with patents or trademarks, Feel free to reach out to us, and we're always there to help. Thanks again for coming on. It's been a fun time to hear your journey. Um, it's been—it uh, sounds like it's one that has much more, to, much more to come, and it'll be fun to to see how it continues to go. So, thanks again, and uh, good luck with your journey. Thank you, Gavin. Okay, we'll have a good one.
0: You too.